everybody. Welcome to Retro Reco. I'm Shane. I'm Kyle. And in this show, we do recommendations. Uh, we recommend movies that the other has not seen yet. And this week, it's Kyle's recommendation. Kyle, what you recommending? Uh, my recommendation this week is the 1968 Peter Yates film Bullet, starring Steve McQueen, uh, edited by uh, Frank P. Keller, who actually won an Academy Award for Best Film Editing for this film, and cinematographer William F. Fraker. Uh-oh, I watched the 1996 movie Bullet starring Mickey Rourke, and it was not good. I didn't know I didn't know we were doing Bullet. I'm kidding. You're hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get into kind of first impressions. Shane, is this your first Steve McQueen movie? This is my first Steve McQueen movie. I was going back to look at his... I don't watch a whole lot of old movies. Um, as a kid, uh, I would watch some with my mom, because uh, she, she was a big Turner Classic movie kind of person, and... And would have them on, and I'd, I'd watch some with her. Um, but once, like, I grew out of that, I really didn't go searching for them. Like, there's the few that I, I, uh, I still enjoy that kind of stick with me. Like, uh, like some like it hot, very much a, a classic. I mean, kind of universally known as, as a wonderful, wonderful movie. And then, and then there's others that I don't know the names of them. I just know that they're older movies, and I just and like every now and then, like, I'll be with somebody and. We'll, t- some, we'll turn on Turner Classic, and I'll be like, I've seen this! <laughs> yeah. And it just come, kind of comes to me. Uh, so I've never, like, sought out some of these older um, actors or uh, that are, like, really well-known, like like Clark Gable or or Steve McQueen or or uh, others. I can't think of names right yeah. now. But, yeah, so, so I've never really sought these out. So even though there's a lot of them that are... A lot of Steve McQueen movies that I know are super, super big, like like Towering Inferno, or uh, I know he was in the original Thomas Crown Affair. Is that right? Yep. yep. Uh, which actually came out came out this same year as Bullet. No, oh, cool. Yep. And I, I, he's he's in one with a with a, a prison. I don't know the name of that one. Uh, the Great Escape. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, Steve McQueen, and these will actually all be pretty relevant to this film. Uh, you know, he was he was in the Magnificent Seven. Um, he was in no. the Great Escape, and actually, he brings a co-star from the Magnificent Seven to this movie, and and actually, a lot of the stunt team behind this movie was guys that Steve McQueen uh, worked with before. Um, actually, one of the other drivers uh, was his stunt double and motorcycle double for the. Uh, motorcycle jump in the great escape that's cool yeah um, uh he also didn't look anything like i thought he did <laughs> oh really yeah so i did when I, I was expecting more of a uh uh i don't know how to put it more more like a john wayne s type not not quite john wayne like a mixture between like a john wayne and a, and a clark gable kind of i, I suppose where it more like a burly suave kind of guy because that seemed more of the style back then okay um, instead, this guy looks like a cross between Mark Pellegrino and Damien, uh, uh, Damien, is it Damien Lewis, the guy from Homeland and, and, uh, uh, Damien Lewis, the guy yeah. who, the guy who played Steve McQueen in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, did, did he yeah. really? I don't remember that. Okay. Um, I, th- I think it's, a deleted... uh, yeah, he looks, the, the Damien Lewis casting was perfect then. Cause there were a lot of this. I was just like, he looks a lot like Damien Lewis. So, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember if it was a deleted scene. Oh, no, it's just when they're when she's doing the little tour 
of the house. He's he's there. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and like that's all you see him in. But yeah, so so yeah, da- Damian Lewis um, was played Steve McQueen in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for those people who have seen that film as well. But yeah, what what were your kind of your overall impressions of the movie itself uh, before we kind of get into the the very sparse plot of this movie? Yeah, so. I I did like this movie. Um, I was I was a little apprehensive about whether I would or not because of how confused I was in the first like half hour, forty five minutes. Kyle knows I was texting him. I was like, "Did I miss something? Is there a plot point that like I didn't pick up on?" I I felt like I was paying attention, but I was like, "There was a time where I like checked my phone for something, so maybe they said something then that I completely lost." Like I don't know who this guy is that just got shot. I don't know. Like it was, it was all a jumble in my head. And then I had just had to wait like two more minutes and they, they talked enough that I was just like, oh, I know. Okay. I, I, I get a better idea now. I really liked the way they shot this and I really liked the sound. Um, There was a lot of things that happened in this movie that should have made me like not want to keep watching uh in in like current movies like the fact that there's not much music like i even thought that some of the times they use music that they shouldn't have yeah because they like set up this world that didn't use this music like the only time in the first hour i think that they have music is at a dinner yeah at a dinner which which is at like a jazz club so it, it's yeah. more ju- diegetic so yeah I, I can see that and then and then they had music again when when like the killer was in the hospital and i was just like I was like, the music when he when they have the killer in the hospital now feels weird because this is the only the second time in the movie outside of the opening credits um, that they that they've used music and the first yeah. time there was actually a band there playing it. So I was like, it felt a little more out of place. And then they only used it one more time in the rest the whole rest of the movie, and that was just him walking down the street. And, and then yeah. they cut it when the actual chase scene started. And I was just like, yeah. I was, and the the fact that they kept that in it made it feel more real. Mm-hmm. And that actually was really, really cool for me. And the spots where they were like, were waiting, like when you were watching the plane slowly come into the uh, in and like them waiting for it and like them looking at every single person and waiting and waiting. And I was like, this is actually building up tension. And like they're they're using this really, really well, the way that they they filmed this and, and are using the sound. So I, I there's a lot there is a lot to enjoy about this movie. Yeah, uh, I I have not watched this since college, actually. I I want to say, and it was just I went through a big kind of Steve McQueen in kick of watching like The Great Escape and Bullet. Um, I think I watched The Thomas Crown Affair and then Magnificent Seven. So. I very much enjoyed this movie. Uh, it was actually part of it was the fact that I was back home for the holidays. Um, and this was kind of just on my shelf. I was like, oh, yeah, bullet. Because, like, I think one of the last times I was home, my dad and I watched The Great Escape um, because I had just found it at like a Walmart, like, bargain bin for five bucks. And oh, nice. yeah, uh, I. So yeah, I very much enjoy this, but it's it's been a while since I'd seen it. So I, a lot of the stuff you were talking about with the tension, I forgot. Like the the car chase scene, we'll get into, you know, later. But like, I remember that being very good, but I forgot about the build up to it, and like that rising tension in in the mm-hmm. movie. 
And it was like, oh, yeah, no, I forgot about this little piece. And this little piece is what makes it as memorable as it does, as it is. Because, like, without that tension being built for a couple minutes before the chase properly start, you don't, it's not as impactful. Yeah, and they, they do such a good job throughout this movie of building that tension over and over again. And they don't, and it's part of the reason why I was confused. And like I said, I have a feeling that I just, I wasn't paying enough attention at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, like as it was starting up, because I, I have, I have a tendency to do that sometimes the first 10 to 15 minutes of a movie where, where like I have to like start to get into the movie. I don't like dial in directly, but they, they built it throughout the movie by not over explaining things and not, not like hitting you over the head with certain things either, where you were, you were sort of left in the dark on certain situations in a good way at times because uh, then you were completely taken out of the blue like i spent the entire movie thinking that uh oh what's his name that the other actor in this movie that I, robert vaughn's character i yeah. uh, who does i was astounded when i saw i was like oh man he looks way different than i remember him as yeah <laughs> as, as a younger guy um unlike robert duvall who is just the exact same person uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh that was gonna be one of my that was gonna be one of my questions i was like shane do you know who that cab driver was yeah well they they he was he's like way up on the cast list too on like when you look things up now they're like yeah. starring steve mcqueen uh jacqueline Bissett, robert vaughn and robert duvall and i was like that makes it sound like he had more to do in that movie than the two lines he had yeah well and i <laughs> um, and i think part of that was it was probably main cast and then order of appearance and he is yeah. in like the second scene so but uh but but chalmers i thought i spent the whole movie thinking chalmers was going to be like the big bad uh and he and he wasn't uh, i mean spoilers he wasn't like he's just a he's just a kind of a douchebag which is yeah I mean, he could be like this. Could have been a setup for for more movies. It also felt like a setup for more movies. Yeah, that but, was that was one of the other things that you you texted me while you were watching this. I was like, is this the like middle of a trilogy or something? And in some yeah. ways, in some ways, it kind of is actually. Well, not like not really, but um, in some ways, there is a little bit of a pre bit of the movie. Um, when you find out, I don't know how much research you did into the movie. Uh, if you, when you find out who Steve McQueen actually based this character on, I do not know who he based it on. Uh, so he actually based this uh, character on San Francisco homicide detect inspector uh, Dave uh, Tosh 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 um, who was the one who was the lead investigator for the Zodiac Killer investigation. Cool. And, like, in seeing that, it's like, oh, now I understand why this politician... Because that was one of the things that I, I didn't understand at first. I was like, you know, the captain keeps saying, it's like, oh, yeah, no, the senator, you know, requested you because he wants to make a name for himself kind of thing. And it's like, well, why would he... Like, whose bullet's supposed to be? And then it's like, oh, if he was kind of in the public limelight as, you know, the lead investigator for this thing that is still ongoing, uh, that would make sense. Uh, I also have a question. I haven't looked this up. Yes. W was that one guy, Mr. Roper from Three's Company? The, like, the, the assistant 
assistant to Chalmers. Was that what he was? He was the like the assistant to Chalmers, sort of. Uh, there is a character in this movie where I'm like, I think that's Mr. Roper, and I kept kept thinking every time I saw him, I was like, Don is that Mr. Roper? No, no, Don Knotts is, plays the uh, Mr. Roper and Don Knotts are different different characters. One second, let me. Don Knotts plays uh plays um. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, uh, Furley. Uh, uh, no, Mr. Roper, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Roper are like neighbors. Uh, it is. Oh my God, it is. Okay. Okay. Uh, Norman Fell. <laughs> I watched. I, I saw a decent amount of Three's Company as a kid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I did not watch like any Three's Company at all. I was for my Suzanne Summers. It was definitely more step by step. Day by day. Yep. Get your Patrick Duffy fix there, too. Yeah, I did get my Patrick Duffy fix there, yeah. But to go off the, uh, where I asked if it was, like, the middle movie of, like, of, like, a trilogy, it had to do with the fact where I was saying where they they don't feel like they're over-explaining things, because you jump in, and they're not really, like, they sort of hit what the plot is, but they don't really, they kind of rush past it, and, like, the introduction of Bullet is literally just him being like, oh, I guess I gotta go to work. Uh, yeah. And then the, him not telling you what he's doing at work. He just goes to work and you're like, okay. He goes to a, a fancy place and he just like chats with Chalmers for a minute about sort of something, but not really. Um, yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It, it was, it was kind of weird. Uh, I think that was also when my brain was still kind of in and out a little bit. So the conversation he had with Chalmers there was kind of going over my head. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. But like that's, that's, but then that, that's when I started to settle down was just after that. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, let's let's get into the movie itself, kind of going a little more scene by scene with it. Um, so yeah, as as you said, this movie starts out. Something happens in Chicago. It's clearly the Chicago Sun Times because all of their stuff is all over the place. Like all of the the logos and branding is all over. So we know it's Chicago. And it's like a break-in kind of Watergate style, but I guess this was pre-Watergate, right? Uh, what year is this? Sixty-eight. Yeah, that'd be pre-Watergate. Yeah. Um, JFK would be would yeah. Well, it's not JFK at this point because well, that was sixty-three. No, it's, yeah. It, it's uh, it's what's his name? His his backup. Yeah, uh, Johnson. Yep. Uh, it's just about to be next. Time. Yep. Uh, so, so we have this break in happen and there's clearly one survivor who gets out of there. And then we cut to San Francisco and a mob guy is like looking for this guy named Johnny Ross, you know, checking in at hotels, seeing, oh, is there, you know, cards for this guy? Um, and then he makes a few stops in a cab that is driven by Robert Duvall. And apparently, like, the next day, Robert Duvall knows and remembers all the stops that this guy made. And it's like, wow, you must You know, not... as cabbies do. Yeah, it's like, wow, you must not be busy at all. Although I will say, I mean, I don't know how frequent it was back then, but someone telling you to stop and so they can make a bunch of phone calls would be would be yeah. something i'm just like all right this guy's doing some weird stuff yeah i i agree with that and then like shane said earlier we are introduced to steve mcqueen's bullet frank bullet uh who is a san francisco homicide inspector 
And yeah, we don't really know what he's... It's clearly supposed to be his weekend off. But they got called in. As he says later, it's like, oh, we basically got called in to babysit somebody. That's great. Like, to me, that 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 felt more like, uh, what time did you get off work last night? Yeah, but but yeah, no, he was he was clearly did not he's clearly not very slept. And then we we go and are introduced to uh, Robert Vaughn's character, uh, Senator Chalmers, Senator Walter Chalmers, Chalmers, and uh, Robert Vaughn uh, had the kind of same thoughts about this movie that you did initially. Uh, he actually turned this movie down at first. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he said he received the script and he didn't like it. He's like, there's no plot, there's no sensible storyline in this movie at all. But he'd previously worked with Steve McQueen on The Magnificent Seven. So Steve McQueen kept kind of prodding him and convinced them, the studio to give him more money. Yeah, that'll do it. So that was the convincing factor. Um to get him on board and yeah he he is a is a senator and he's got this star witness to take down quote unquote the organization um because back then they just didn't want to say the word mafia in movies they were scared of them back then they were scared of them (laughs) and kind of from everything i've heard rightly so because they had very much had a lot of hands in especially the hollywood like unions but the 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 organization uh he has has this star witness that he needs bullet and his team to protect and it's a guy named johnny ross and he is in a terrible hotel that chalmers is the one that picked out that room apparently and it's everything that is wrong with any anybody that knows anything would be like, yeah, this is a terrible location for this this guy to be holed up for the weekend. We've got to be careful. It's like there's windows everywhere. There's literally a fire escape. There's a highway going like overpass, like right next to the to the hotel. It's like this guy could get shot so easily. This whose whose moronic idea was him to was it to put this guy in this hotel room, and it's like oh it was the senator's idea of course it was. Well, not only was it the senator's idea, but uh, I mean, did, you, did the guy get shot? And uh, they said like they used your name to get in. Like, yeah, it's like that's how they got in through the front. Although the guy unlocked the door himself to let them in. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He 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 takes down the chain, um, because yeah, uh, Bullet and his two associates are gonna rotate shifts, um. So he leaves them with the like the middle guy as he goes to a jazz club to hang out with his girlfriend, and well, Bullet is at this jazz club. Two yeah, two hitmen burst in and shoot the police officer in the leg and then shoot Ross like right in the shoulder and neck area. I also real quick I have an opinion on the on the girlfriend thing. Yeah. Who so the very first two scenes that you see her in, she's wearing a shirt. 
Yeah. She's wearing a shirt as a dress. And then the next scene, uh, and then they do the jazz club thing. And the next scene is like a, a morning after of them being together. And she's just wearing a shirt again. And I'm like, I get that she's attractive, but can we give her clothes? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> this is just, this is ridiculous. No. I, uh, and then she yeah. gets a weird scene later on where she's just like, she's like, you didn't seem upset about a dead body. So I'm upset with you. And I'm like, <laughs> this is weird. Like th they didn't build up to this. Like, yeah, it's th like, it's, it's almost like they were, did a terrible job of writing a woman character. Who'd have thunk old Hollywood? Yeah. Yeah. It's like 1960s Hollywood not being, uh, very good at writing female characters no 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 i mean they they definitely did fine um especially when <laughs> it was steve mcqueen's production uh company that this was actually their first like big production um that they did um and yeah yeah it's like the female characters like i'm glad she's there i'm glad there is some female representation but she's definitely there to humanize Bullet more. And that's her only role. Yeah, because he, he's such a stoic character. They, they are, they're like, we got to find a way to bring him down to earth a bit at times. We have to stop short of showing vulnerability through, for him. I thought at the very end they were going to show some, but they didn't. <laughs> um, but they have to stop just short of him showing any kind of vulnerability. I mean, it was the 1960s. Like, I'm, are you really surprised by that? No, no, I wasn't. But I did laugh at the end where I was just like, I was like, this is like the, the point of a movie. So the final scene is him looking in a mirror at himself in a bathroom yep. after looking at his girlfriend who had just said these things to him uh, a scene or two before with the dead body. And then there's another yeah. dead body. And, and he's like looking at himself in a mirror and washes his face and like looks up at himself. And I was like, this is the scene in a movie now where like the cop would like break down yep. and it would make sense that they would. Uh, and that would be a great way to end it. But instead they just had him look at himself and that was the end. <laughs> I was just like, okay. Yeah. It was a, it was a little interesting. Um, and then, so, so the, the officer and the informant uh, both get shot. They are taken to the hospital and Frank bullet arrives at the hospital driving his 1968 mustang gt fastback and this is the subject for our fairly quick um retro deep dive uh on the ford mustang uh the ford mustang was designed in 1962 by eugene borden Roy Lunn and John Najjar. The name uh, actually comes from there's there's conflicting reports. Um, it either comes from Najjar, who actually was inspired for the name from the uh, North American P-15 Mustang fighter plane, very much like the you know zero from Wind Rises. That's exactly what I thought when you were when you were yep. bringing that up. The, and, but some other people say uh, that it was actually uh, Robert Eggert, um, who was Ford's like market research manager, um, who suggested the name because uh, Eggert was a breeder of quarter horses. It was put into production in 1965, uh, and has and has actually been in production various models since then. Uh, making it 
Ford's like highest sold vehicle, um, basically of all time. Uh, they they initially predicted it's like oh it'll sell like a hundred thousand vehicles like the first year. Uh, it actually became the most successful vehicle since the Model A, and it ended up selling four hundred thousand units that first year and had sold its millionth within the first two years. Um, Ford, you know, since they kept various forms of it in production, um, in August of, 19, of 2018, uh, Ford produced its 10 millionth Mustang. Um, wow. And part of, part of that is, you know, the, the appeal of the, the Mustang was the fact that it was used in so many films and it became so prevalent in pop culture. I mean, there's the, the Wilson Pickett song, Mustang Sally, you know, we, you've got that. And then it was used in Goldfinger. Um, it was used as the, one of the main cars in this, in the series FBI. It was again used for another James Bond movie in Diamonds Are Forever. A slightly modified version of the Mustang was used in both versions of Gone in 60 Seconds, uh, the Eleanor car. Um, in 2001, uh, Ford Motor Company released the Bullet Edition uh, Ford Mustang GT and then actually re-released another or bullet edition in 2008 to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the film. Uh, and so there were two Mustangs used for bullet. Uh, one of them was thought to be destroyed and actually wound up in a, was found in a scrapyard uh, in 2016 uh, but the one that was in good condition had gone through some various owners and actually sold on auction in January of 2020 for $3.74 million. Jesus. Yeah. I'll never see that money in my life. I know, right? Um, but yeah, that was just a little fun, fun deep dive into uh, the Ford Mustang. Uh, Very cool. This is very, very synonymous with this movie, is is that Mustang. Well, this is also, once he gets to the hospital, the only black character in the whole movie who gets his one line. He has a few lines. He has a few lines. But I actually, I, I liked the fact that, it, like, it was actually a, a black, like, surgeon. And, and they actually draw very little attention to it. It's just like, yeah, this is normal. Like this should be normal. Yeah, I was like, they didn't, they didn't like go out of the way to make it a big deal, um, which I don't know why they would. Although I don't know, I don't know what the. I mean, it was 1968, so yeah, the 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 temperatures weren't great back then when it came to uh, racial equality or anything. Like, I mean, they're not necessarily great now. So. Yeah, and that's like, I almost wonder if like Chalmers' request of. Uh, when because the the doctor basically says a lot of stuff about you know he doesn't know what the patient's condition is like he's literally just getting out of surgery he you know i don't think he's gonna be ready to testify in court in 
24 hours. Like he's he literally just got shot in the the chest guy. Like I'm doing everything I can. And Chalmers, you know, goes up to the head nurse and basically requests like using the caveat of, oh, he's he's young and inexperienced. But it's like, was this possibly a racial thing? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. But. uh, Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, If it was, it was subtle. And it's like, okay, good job on subtle storytelling. Yeah. in this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if they made that guy, the dick, a racist though. Yeah, exactly. It's like that, that very much feels in line with, you know, what this character would do. Um, And then, you know, this, this movie is known very much for the car chase, but there's actually like really good suspenseful kind of action beats throughout the movie that I, it's I known for the car chase yeah it's known for the car chase like oh i wasn't i wasn't very impressed with that but okay i can't tell if you're being serious or not um i'm being 100 percent serious i i thought the the car chase might have been one of the most boring parts of the movie okay um, a bunch of cars crunch uh like sort of hitting each other in the side and 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 the swerving and uh, and like to me it wasn't that exciting but i also i'm also not necessarily a car chase kind of guy so yeah you know. that's true um but i i was going to say like it's it's mostly known for that but i like these little kind of cat and mouse chase scenes that we get you know throughout the hospital of like realizing it's like okay so clearly this guy knows that they're at the hospital and knows he didn't finish the job so he's coming after Ross and then, you know, Bullet and his other or one his other detective that hasn't gotten shot um, are chasing him through the hospital and then chase him out kind of through the basement. And I thought this chase scene was was really well done. Um, like I said, it, it was just the, the music. This was the first time they used music in the whole movie outside of that 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 date scene. And it was just it was just kind of felt a little weird. Um, but still, it was it was a it was a well done chase scene where it was a little more realistic, uh, where like they were using like the small sounds for for him to like yep. turn around, and then that's when he he would realize something. And yeah, I thought that that was done done pretty well. Yeah. Um. And then as as this chase uh, happens, uh, Ross dies, and in trying to keep Chalmers off of his case and kind of giving himself a little more leeway to investigate a little longer. Uh, Bullet comes up with the idea of telling the the doctor, it's like, oh, you like, say you lost the paperwork or we're going to file him under in the morgue as a John Doe um, so that we can keep investigating, you know, what's going on without the senators kind of interrupting them. Yeah. Which is, which is smart and it, and it works really well for, Oh, probably another half hour, which is probably, I think about a day's worth of the movie. I think they said that it was 24 hours once they, once it, he had, uh, once he has to like fess up, yeah. um, by, with his captain, who the captain, uh, the guy who played the captain, I thought did really well in his role as well. Yeah, he did. He was, he was, he was really nice and stoic when he, when he needed to be. Yeah. But you could tell that he like cared, but it, it's, it's a, it was a smart little ploy that they, they pull up. Cause this is, the, it was right after this where, where like the, uh, 
the the senator bring, uh, Chalmers brings in like an interviewer uh, or like a photographer or something, and I was I wasn't really sure why that he thought that that was a good idea, but they were pretty much uh, and and he was pretty much like uh, um, Bullet was was he's shot. He's not he's he's not in a good spot right now. Like can't do it and that's when Chalmers goes up by himself and finds out that he's been that he's been moved and he starts being like where is he well i think i think what was gonna what was gonna happen was he he finally did come to the realization of like hey he's been shot he's not gonna be able to appear in court i need him to give his deposition to somebody you know yes that that is what it was yeah to a third party so that then the third party can recount the deposition so at least i have my facts that I need in, in for it. Um, but yeah, Chalmers gets real ticked about this though. Like, you know, but as, as all of this is going on, bullet keeps going out to keep the investigation going and, you know, has his little informants give him some, some more information. finds out that Ross uh, potentially stole two million dollars from the mob, and that he made a bunch of long distance calls, and then that this guy was following him, and so uh, he he has the he he tracks down the cabbie, and has the cabbie, you know, do all of the same spots that he stopped at for the for the calls. Um, and then as they're doing that, uh, this is when uh, Bullet realizes that this black Dodge Charger has been following them the whole time. So he gets in his car and, yeah, happens to go on to a very iconic chase sequence for throughout the streets of San Francisco. Uh, so as of right now, uh, Screen Rant, Fandango, and Mental Floss have all ranked this as the best chase scene scene in movie history. The the only of the of the more reputable sites that I saw, or at least ones that I've heard of, uh, the only one that does not have this ranked as number one was The Insider, uh, which ranks it as number two right behind the chase scene from the French connection. Interesting. Okay. Which in all of which in all of those other lists, the chase scene from the French connection was either number two or number three. <laughs> I think the greatest chase scene in movie history is Blues Brothers, but that's just me. Blues Brothers was in the top five in Is it okay. <laughs> yeah, in in most of those lists. Um it was either top five or top ten. But you also have to remember this is a decade before Blues Brothers. Oh yeah. Like this is this is where all of the stuff came from. You didn't have as many shots. This is more what popularized the the chase scenes. You know, we would get the point of view in the cab and your crash cam um is what it would be now known as of like your car rig. Like you you didn't get those shots beforehand. And it was a nice combination of the POV and the longer stuff and like i said like i i forgot about how well they do the building of the tension as you know bullet is you know starting off and realizes these guys are behind him 
and then you know the music's playing the music's playing he comes around he does this u-turn kind of thing loses them and then comes up behind them and then that's when you know you hold that for a little bit they realize he's behind him then the music cuts out and it's just revving engines tires squealing and hubcaps flying off which is my favorite part for the next like 5 minutes passing the same <laughs> passing the same Volkswagen Beetle like six times. It was hilarious as uh, as you're as I was watching it. So we apparently have very differing views on this scene. I mean, uh, like I said, to me, it just it felt repetitive. <laughs> um, uh, like it just felt like they were doing the same moves over and over again in the in the chase of like banging the cars together and I I don't know. Uh, and, and they just kept and they did keep cutting back to the shots at the car, but like no expressions were changing. They were all just kind of like just looking over and over again of like checking their rearview mirror and things like that. And I was just like I was like all right, like that's that's fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, this <laughs> is yeah, this is where the the stoicism of of Steve McQueen is is for for, for some people could be a downside for sure fact that it's like okay yeah he's he's so like yeah it's not like nail biting of like oh no like that's that's honestly i i do love this this car chase but much like the insider i think i might actually prefer uh the french connection because gene hackman as he's trying to catch the the elevated train is so frantic and so frazzled that you feel so much emotion from him. Whereas like, yeah, you don't get as much emotion from Steve McQueen or even the other, like I almost like would have been okay with him being so stoic and just matter of fact. If... And the other driver doing anything other than the one time he sort of smirked when he lost him. And then he showed no emotion again yeah. when, when he saw that, uh, bullet was behind him again like uh, yeah one of them one of them needed needed to react at some point yeah in my opinion but and then the the end of the 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 car chase was i will say the coolest part of the car chase was was the end uh of the way bullet spun out and then caught himself before he went into the ditch i thought that would that spin a little spin out uh u-turn spin out thing was cool yeah um but the other side of that finish the crashing into the the random gas factory it seemed to be because it exploded six times um was kind of a weird finish to that on that side well part of that is actually thanks to the edit because if you look very closely the timing was off on that and so the car is supposed to crash in and explode like in the middle of that gas factory thing uh if you look closely you see the car just because it was just a bunch of dummies in it that they kind of went down a ramp they they let it go and it was mistimed of they hit the explosion and thought the explosion was going to you know blow up the car but they were going just fast enough that it triggered the explosion and the car kept going <laughs> and so you can literally see the car slightly keep going in the very background <laughs> As the explosion's going off. I did I did see that. I did see the car continue to move. And then it's like, yeah, no, it's just, but the editor, who won an Oscar for editing this movie, 
it was like okay if i cut to just right after the explosion and cut to another angle of an explosion and fire and then the car tipped over people will realize what's going on and and don't notice unless you've watched it you know multiple times or you're just a keen viewer you don't notice oh the car just kept flying going through in the background but that was that was funny to me and then uh after that is when you get to the with after that like the idea that they're just like oh he just got in this giant car case car chase killed two people and the there they were reprimanding him for it um but like not to the extent that i would assume someone would be reprimanded for being in a car chase that killed two people yeah well and also those were your two like chalmers was mad about it yeah chalmers was mad about it because it's like well my actual informant is now dead these two guys who were trying to kill my informant you just killed like i could have gotten testimonies from them yeah and then and chalmers was especially mad because that's when he found out that his informant was dead as well and yeah. that's in that same scene he's he's just like he's downstairs under john doe and he's like oh whoop de doo yeah okay yeah so this is where where things get a little convoluted of like well let's uh go through his remains and then you find out he's got all these travelers checks from somebody else so then you realize yep. like oh this guy was actually someone else was posing as johnny ross and that's the guy that got killed. Well, this is this is also so this this scene made me laugh. So so they find the traveler's checks in his uh, wife's luggage. Uh, the way they find the wife, I am still not a hundred percent certain um, how that got figured out. Uh, it's just in a scene. Bullets like, well, I've got this other lead. Oh, it's from the phone call. It's from the yeah, long it's distance from the phone, phone call. call. Yep. Yeah, it's from the long distance phone call. They is, is how they find. Uh, they find the wife that flew in, uh, and then they, and then Bullet goes uh, right after the scene uh, with with Chalmers and, and Detective. He's told to like lay low, and instead of laying low, he goes to the to the where the wife is staying in a hotel room, uh, and she's dead. Um, she's been strangled. This is when the girlfriend comes in and is just is is just like, oh, you don't react. Uh, you're dead inside. Um, but this is also this is the part that made me laugh is that they they open up her suitcases and they're going through the stuff and like th he keeps getting bags he keeps being like check those for fingerprints and I'm laughing I'm like you didn't wear gloves all the fingerprints yeah. are gonna find are yours <laughs> like what is going on right a, now it was a different time Shane it was a different <laughs> time people didn't know anything about forensics I think he said check for fingerprints twice. Um, but he like grabbed a couple different bags to put things in there for the fingerprints. And, but this is where they figure out that, that he's a different person and they like, they're getting the passport images like faxed over. Yeah. From, but like from it's somewhere. Really a fax. It's yeah. The weirdest machine I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what that machine was like. It was like a, yeah, it was like a photo enlarger or something weird. Yeah. But, yeah, so then they realize, like, well, so now the actual Johnny Ross is in town with $2 million stolen from the mob and is probably trying to get out of here because he realizes, like, the heat's on him and he's not going to, you know, he's obviously not sticking around to testify. Um, so, like, all right, we got to find where he is in the airports and 
Well, and this is also a really, really cool thing that I liked is is how they figured out where he would be in the airport because they realized that they they like checked the financials of the the imposter Ross and his wife, and they found that they each had tickets to fly out of the country under their names, yeah. but the passport were missing and the ticket and and like there were no tickets in there. They're like, there's a ticket thing, but there's no tickets. What's going on? That's when they check the financials to find out they bought these tickets. Yep. And so that's when that's where they go to the they go and uh the first terminal they're at is going to I wanna say Rio or something. It was Rome. Um Rome, yes. And that one is where the man's ticket was too. Which is why they they thought that that would be the one that he went to. But once they figure out that that it wasn't that one, they call over and they have the the London one, which is where the woman's ticket was to, to yeah. have to circle around and come back. And that was a cool little like like I caught what they were doing there, and I was like, that's kind of neat that they thought of that. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think I think it was actually it was the dep- the departure times were the same, so he switched tickets at the airport earlier in the day but would have kept the same departure time was it was but yeah it was it was the it was kind of similar to that of like oh yeah no okay they're going to london instead so we've got to stop everyone at the london gate and yeah then this actually ends up with another fun little cat and mouse like foot chase through through the planes and the terminals um, to try and find the actual Ross. And I really liked both of the the foot chase scenes. Like, I, I thought that those those were my favorite chase scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that, but okay. Um, but then again, I love I love car chases, so. I thought, I just thought that, I, I mean, and I've never really been a car guy in, yeah. in general, so car chases have never really been like, like I, I don't like. I'm not. A, I'm not really into the Fast and Furious movies or anything like that. Like, like chasing cars to me is just two little boxes on a screen moving. Um, just like NASCAR is just a bunch of people driving in a circle for hours. Like it just doesn't interest me that much. Uh, but two people chasing each other. Like there's other stuff that they can be doing. Like, uh, which they were. Like they were jumping around. There was a time where he, uh, he thought of like breaking a window open because the guy had put uh, like a post in front of the door to, to, to keep him from opening it. Like there yeah. was, there was, there's cool little, little things like that, that I'm just like, all right, this is, this is pretty neat. Yeah. And then we get a little, little shootout and uh, yeah. Uh, Ross kills a, a sheriff's deputy and then bullet ends up shooting him. Um, and Chalmers arrives at the, the scene but you know kind of says nothing and then leaves because he's just like well this whole thing has been a disaster these last two days i'm gonna now look like an idiot for promising you know this major witness for the senate subcommittee meeting and then not delivering so that's gonna make me look like a fool well i i also thought that like the very end of him like riding away in a taxi or and just reading a paper like to me, he was also kind of just doing like a, well, that didn't work. Oh well, it doesn't yeah. really matter to me. Like, like it, he was pretty much washing his hands of it once it uh, didn't fell through in my, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like that also is a is a sign of like a good, like douchey kind of villain kind of character like that where, where he's like, well, it doesn't affect me in the end, so whatever. <laughs> like after after being so gung ho throughout the movie, and then just washing his hands free of it. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, what a 
slime bag. Yeah. I liked it. I liked that character. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm not responsible for these four deaths at all. No, five with the deputy. Um, nope. But, uh, and then at the very end, like, Bullet comes home and he finds his girlfriend. She had decided to stay with him, so that was nice. Um, you know, his little attachment to humanity there. Yep, and then he washes his face, and he he's he's a stoic man. Uh, overall, though, I mean, final thoughts for me. That's this is a this is a good movie. This is enjoyable. This is better than I anticipated it being when you recommended it. Yeah, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. It just I I knew we needed a movie like this after a silent voice, and it was just yep. like, yeah, we need kind of a palate cleanser, just something that's a little more light and fun and you don't have to think too much about. Um, and sometimes it's like, I shouldn't try to overthink this plot because there isn't one. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I obviously enjoyed the car chase scene much more than you did. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I really like this movie. Uh, like I said, it had been a little while since I'd seen it, so I was actually really happy to revisit it. And you know, everything that I remembered liking from my initial viewing was still stuck around, so I was very pleased with that. Good, yeah, yeah. And and I was also very pleased with this movie. Like like I said, there was there's some really exciting stuff that that I, I should say it felt really real. It, yeah, uh, and, and I really enjoyed that about it. Like I, I felt there with with them, and like I felt like I felt like I understood the mindset of the decisions, yeah, and the way that it was going, and and I really really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, and and then to me, it also reminded me of you know little little things throughout the movie, um, like just going to the jazz club it it always reminds me there's a a John Woo movie called Hard Boiled uh, starring Chow Young Fat and if it ever finally gets to go on streaming again um I def that's definitely going to be one of my picks um cuz it's a John Woo Hong Kong action movie and I I really love it and the main character starring Chow Young Fat, uh, played by Chow Young Fat, is a police officer, but he is also kind of moonlights as a jazz clarinetist. <laughs> so the movie actually starts out with him, you know, in this jazz club playing, and then he goes to, you know, his actual day job, and it's, you know, as a as a police officer so it's like you see you know they take a very similar it's like okay here's the softer side of this character um and then here's you know the hard-boiled detective in that case literally like that's where the title comes from um and you kind of get a similar vibe with of that to to this movie so and then obviously, like I said, every car chase since 1968 has been influenced from this car chase, um, including a fun, a fun one in the in the film uh, "What's Up, Doc," where they basically try to almost shot for shot try to recreate this scene, 
um, including with the hubcap flying off. But they try to recreate it in a screwball comedy where it has no place whatsoever, and that actually makes it funnier. Nice. Well, cool. I, I would say a solid recommendation. Solid recommendation? That's good. Yeah. I'm too, I'm, well, I can't say I'm two for two because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang wasn't really a... I would say we're both one for one right now. Um, but yeah, let's let's see if that uh, streak keeps going. So Shane, what are what is uh, what are we gonna watch next time? So I'm looking at the list, and there's two movies that are popping out to me because I know that they are both available. Is really why these two yep. are the the two uh, that you do not have uh, seen next to. One okay. of them I am absolutely shocked that you haven't seen. So I wonder if you just missed it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and the other one, uh, the other one, I'm not surprised you hadn't seen, but, uh, I'll, I'll give you, like I did last time, I'll give you kind of a uh, pick between these two kind of genres, kind of thing. courtroom or, or like, uh, action. Uh, let's go with, uh, let's go with the action. Action. All right. Then we are watching the 1987 movie Predator starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers. Is this the one you didn't think I'd seen? This is the one I was like, how have you not seen this? Okay, it's either I haven't actually seen it or I just don't remember watching it. Okay. Which both are very likely. I I have a I have a weird thing where I don't actually like as much of a fan as I seem to be, there's some like alien and monster kind of type sci-fi movies that I just for some reason just stay away from. But it has both governors, Schwarzenegger and Jesse the Body. He ain't got time to bleed. Bleed. Um, Which I think so, is from this uh, movie, isn't it? It is. Okay. <laughs> this uh, this movie is on Amazon Prime. Uh, okay. So it's available uh, as in like if you have Prime, you can watch it. You don't have to pay for it. So for those of you that want to watch these movies with us, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it with us. Awesome. Yeah, like like I said, like I would have loved to have recommended like Hard Boiled, but yeah, it's not streaming anywhere. So yeah, we're tr- we're trying to keep them where where people can actually watch along with us. So and uh, this one is going to be my first recommendation that was nominated for an Oscar. Achievement Sound. <laughs> we'll get it there. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Make sure to come back in two weeks when we talk about Predator. Be good to each other.